How's it going, guys? Yeah, one person is alive. <laughs> All right. Y'all doing good for real? No. Okay. Okay. Well, hopefully tonight we'll get better then uh, as we read through the Word of God. I think that's usually how it works. Uh, so we've been going through a series, right? Anybody know what it's called? It's not out there yet. Yeah, Faith That Works. I thought I was going to be out there. My bad. Uh, it's called Faith That Works, right? Um, we've been looking through the book of James, and we've just seen how our faith is made evident through the good works that we do, right? Like, we can have faith without doing good things, sure. But for the most part, as James says, true, true faith is, produces good works, right? Uh, not that our good works are by any means a, a merit or a dependency of our salvation, but instead it's just something that naturally occurs. Uh, because if we are being transformed in the likeness of Christ, we're going to live differently. Uh, and we're going to kind of continue in the same mind tonight, and we're going to be look at faith that talks. Um, I think when we think of good works, right, uh, we don't really think about talking. Uh, we don't really think about our conversations and the words that we have. Uh, but James is actually really critical of the tongue. He doesn't like it because it's dangerous. Um, I don't know. Anybody in this room ever heard the old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? A few. Anybody think that's true? Absolutely not, right? It's the biggest lie parents tell their children all of the time. Like, if you were to ask me, please hit me over the head with a stick before you say something bad about me. Uh, that's just what I like. Uh, like, I don't, I don't want you to say bad things about me. Uh, but, like, if you do, make sure to hit me with a stick so I don't remember it. Uh, so, like, it's just this idea and this, I don't know. I think in our society, we, we really do uh, kind of lean into that. We kind of want that to be true. Uh, we don't want words to have this, this hold on our lives, yet it does. Um, and we've seen that, I think, more now than ever. Um, we've seen social media, so it's not even the spoken word anymore, but it's the written word uh, that has become a very tragic uh, part of our society um, where there's just so much division and so much hurt in this world uh, because of words. And as, as we look through James 3 tonight, we're going to be looking at just the dangers of the tongue and how we can kind of control it, um, how we can control it as followers of Christ and how we can bring God glory through it. So we'll be in James 3, verses 1 through 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness, for we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouth of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, standing the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of, oh, excuse me, beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your word. 
thank you so much for this opportunity just to meet uh, with you tonight and just meet with fellow believers as we just dive into your word, Lord, and we're just challenged and convicted by it. Uh, Lord, I just ask that you would just be with us tonight, uh, Lord, that you would move any distractions that we might have, uh, Lord, that you would remove any tests that are looming in the near future, uh, Lord, or just anything that might be difficult and that we can just focus in on your word, or that we could focus in on our relationship with you because we know that is the most important thing in our lives. We know that without it, we are useless and we don't have purpose. But Lord, with you in our lives, we can, we can move mountains. Lord, we have purpose and we have been given it, to you, given it to us by you. Lord, we just ask as we look at the tongue, Lord, that we would just look openly at ourselves. And Lord, see where we fail you uh, with our words and with our tongue. And uh, Lord, that we would just be changed as we leave this place. Lord, we love you. It's your son's name I pray. Amen. So as we look into this text, James, again, he's not very fond of the tongue, it doesn't seem. Very harsh language all over the place, right? Uh, and just, he's just trying to help us understand that the tongue is very dangerous. And as we look at this passage, the first thing we really can see is that we need to recognize that our words reflect who we are in order to have a faith that talks. So we have to recognize that our words reflect who we are. So he starts out in one and two with kind of an interesting uh, challenge. Uh, he says, be careful who's teachers, right? Not all of you should be teachers because they're going to be given a stricter judgment, um, which is very comforting as I'm teaching. Uh, but like, right, it's like this, this challenge, he's, he's warning these people that lived in a very teacher-led society, right? Like the rabbi was the utmost person in society because he read the law. He taught the law. And so as we've moved into this Christian, still Judeo-Christian uh, society, we recognize that this rabbi, this teacher is still really important. So people kind of wanted that position because it was highly looked at. Uh, they, they wanted that position because of the benefits they got from it and not because of just teaching the word. So James is trying to warn them and saying, you're going to be judged stricter, so you probably just shouldn't flippantly go into ministry, right? You probably shouldn't just teach the word all the time because your words matter, because you spend more time with the word than anyone else. So he's giving them this challenge, which like it feels a little off topic, but it's really not because teachers, what do they use to teach? Their words, right? Uh, they, they use their words to teach. I think everybody in this room has a teacher in their life that you can look back on and say, that was the most influential person in my life, right? There, there's that person, I don't know, if, uh, for me, it was a fifth grade English teacher and an eighth grade English teacher and then a counselor, uh, but she was a bunch of different things. Uh, but she was an extremely influential person in my life, and she spent time and taught us how to follow Christ, she taught us what it meant to be patient and what it meant to read his word and all of these things. And she did it through her mouth and her actions. And I think what James is trying to say here is these people, they're teaching things, but they're not living up to it. Uh, they're not truly living what they're teaching. And verse 2 kind of continues the thought and transitions uh, more into the topic. He says, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. So this, this verse right here I think is really important because he said if he can bridle his tongue, he is a perfect man. He is a complete or whole man is what this word means, that he has met the, the climax of his life because he can hold his tongue. It just shows us that the tongue really does reflect who we are. If you can control your tongue, you can control the rest of your body is what James is trying to say here. So even though you might say things differently, you might say things poorly, he's saying if you say them correctly, you will be a complete person, which is a very weird and challenging thought because I don't think we normally think that. 
I think we think our words are just a, a, by, a by part of, that's not the word, byproduct of who we are, right? Uh, like, we just have conversations extremely flippantly. Uh, we say things off the cuff and, like, probably shouldn't have said stuff like that. But James is saying that you are what your words say you are. Uh, I had a pastor, he used to tell me this all of the time. Uh, he said, I can tell you exactly what you're passionate about. I've probably told you this before. Exactly what you're passionate about by just talking to you for a minute. Because everybody talks about their passions. Like, if you really want to be a doctor, you're going to talk about med school. If you really love hunting, like, you're going to talk about hunting. And if you really love CrossFit, <laughs> you're going to talk about CrossFit, right? Like, they all do. And so we, we recognize that that's who they are. And I would probably take his statement a little, a little further, right? I think I could tell who you are by what you say. If your life is revolved around a certain thing, you're going to talk about it. If your life is revolved around certain passions or people, you're going to talk about them. Because that's what your life is. You can be defined by your words, even though we really don't want to hear that. Because we are. Every word we say matters, and every word we say reflects who we are as a person. So as we, as we continue through this text, we get into a bunch of illustrations, right? Uh, and even James right here, which I think is important to, part, to point out, like at the very beginning, or uh, the end of one and the beginning of two, he says we all stumble in many ways, uh, which is an important thing. He didn't say you all stumble in many ways, right? He included himself in this, saying that we all mess up here. So there really isn't a perfect man to tie it all together, right? Uh, there isn't this perfect man because we all mess up when it comes to the tongue, and we all stumble. So as we kind of move into the rest of the passage, uh, James really introduces, he introduces a lot of illustrations, right? Uh, but he introduces three main ones. Uh, he says, one, like there's a horse, right? We talked about this like week two or week three of this series uh, because James talks about the tongue a lot. Uh, but like this bridle, right? You would look at a bridle that controls a horse and you'd say that doesn't matter that much. It's just like a little thing, right? There's not much to it. If you would just see it laying on the ground, you'd be like, that's just a stick on the ground. It's not that important. But when it's put in the right place, it controls a half-ton animal, right? It's a very small thing that looks insignificant, but it controls the whole horse. This horse that could run and do whatever it wanted to, right, can be controlled very easily by very small people because they know how to work a bridle. Hence jockeys. They're really small, but, like, they can control a whole horse and make it run full speed, right? In the same way, he goes into the ship. Like, a very small part of the ship is the rudder. Um, like, you can think, I guess we can look at, like, a bass boat or a ski boat. I don't know. What are you all most comfortable with? Uh, but ski boats, okay, we'll go ski boats. Uh, and, like, if you look at the motor, there's really only about that much of it sticking under the water, right? It's not that much. But yet it controls this whole 20 to 25-foot ski boat. That's pretty impressive. And what James is trying to help us understand is that we need to recognize the power of the tongue. We need to recognize that this small part of your life actually controls a lot more than you think it does. Like, you wouldn't look at a bridle and a horse and say, that's really important, but, but it is. It controls the whole animal, and the same thing with the rudder. And then the third illustration he uses to help us recognize the power of the tongue is of a fire. Man, I got a story to tell y'all. Y'all cool with that? Uh, so I, if you don't know this, I've told some of y'all this, uh, but I spent a summer up in college at a church in North Carolina. Uh, it's called Open Door. Uh, I interned there, worked with the youth ministry and stuff. Uh, it was a great summer. I learned a lot, learned to love the local church. Uh, and I went with a friend named Josh. 
Uh, he was a mess, um, but like we lived in the same room uh, all summer, and it was it was fun. But uh, this one weekend, the guy who was kind of like in charge of us, who kind of told us what to do most days, uh, he was going out of town. It was like Fourth of July, I think. I could be wrong there. Uh, but he said, hey, do you mind watching my house? And we're like, sure, for sure we can do that. They had, she had a dog. His name was Luna. Her name was Luna. She was a mess, uh, but, like, so sweet. Uh, but anyways, we're like, we'll do anything to get out of this, this one-bedroom house sharing a room. So we got rooms to ourselves and all this stuff. Uh, and we got to stay there the whole weekend, and we didn't really have anything to do. Uh, like, he had... He didn't have cable. Uh, He had, like, internet, and it was awful. So, like, we were just kind of sitting around. And at one point, we saw, like, his backyard had a lot of limbs in it. Um, And we were like, okay, let's help him out, you know. Like, we've been there before. He said he needed to clean it up. We're like, we'll be good people. Uh, And so we go out there. We start cutting up limbs and piling them up in his little fire pit. uh, And we light a fire um, because that's what you need to do uh, when you're getting rid of stuff. Um, So we light this fire. And really, it was very controlled. Uh, it, it, it was controlled, I promise you. It wasn't that big, uh, you know, maybe six foot tall. I mean, it was not that big, okay? <laughs> like, it was six feet tall. We had it going, uh, and we did for a while. We burned a lot of stuff, and then we burned something that we probably shouldn't have burnt. Uh, it was a very long stick, probably 15 foot or so. Um, it had a lot of dead leaves on it. Um, you might know where I'm going. Uh, but so we, we stuck this stick on this, on this fire, and it went real bad real quick. Uh, like, <laughs> we were very scared. But so this, this six-foot normal-sized fire went, like, 15 foot in, like, the blink of an eye. And we were like, this has gotten out of hand very quickly. And, like, we look up, uh, which we haven't at this point uh, because we're just watching the fire. And we're like, there's a tree about 15 foot up in the air with a branch over this fire. Oh. Uh, luckily, it only caught on fire a little bit. Uh, <laughs> so, so it burnt, and then it was fine. The whole backyard didn't catch on fire, thankfully. But, like, the one thing I just remember through this story is, like, man, that happened so fast. Like, we literally were burning stuff for a long time, and we had it controlled. It was doing well for us. Like, we didn't have to take it to the street, right? Uh, we just put it in the fire, and it burnt. And then, like that, it was dangerous. Like, like, in the blink of an eye, it went from being a rather calm, useful fire to a very out-of-control, not-useful fire, right? A dangerous fire. And as James digs into this text, he says your tongue is like a fire. Like a fire that can burn down whole forests. I don't know if y'all know anything about the world. I rarely do. Um, but, like, right now, there's there's been fires through California this year, which it happens a lot of years. Um, but... Up to this point, there's been 4 million acres of woods that have burnt down. It's a lot of different fires, so it's not like just one thing started all of this. Um, but there's only like 10 fires uh, that uh, consumed 4 million acres of woods. And it just started with little small fires, a little small spark. And James is trying to help us recognize that, yes, fires are useful, right? They are. Like, they, they give you warmth. Uh, they can help cook food. Um, like, it's the, one of the main three things you need in a survival situation, right? Uh, because they're very important. But they can get out of hand very quickly. They can become very not useful very quickly. And he says, your tongue is the same way. While it can be good, while it can produce good in your life, and we'll see that here in a little bit, it can also create a lot of danger. 
It can create and can destroy a lot of different things. It can destroy people. It can destroy yourself, honestly. It can destroy so much. And we have to understand that verse 7 and 8 really sums it all up. It's not tameable. He says there, every animal in the world is tameable, but your tongue isn't. Like we can tame whales to jump through hoops, yet we can't tame our tongue that is this long. James is trying to help us understand that it is a very dangerous and powerful thing that sits in our mouth. And we have to be careful and we have to recognize that it is. Because if we don't understand the power that we have on it, we are going to be flippant in everything we do. We're going to say things that tear people down even if we don't mean to. That's what he's trying to help us understand is that your words do matter. That's why in, in the chapter one of this book, he said you need to be quick to hear yet slow to speak. Because your speech matters. As we look through this, this text, we need to recognize that even though our tongues do have a very large capacity for evil, like the, there's so many examples of people using words to manipulate countries to do things that they should not do. And it all starts with words. And he's saying here we have to recognize that the tongue is so powerful that we have to somehow take a hold of it. We have to somehow use it for the propensity for good instead of the propensity for evil because we recognize how much power the tongue has. In Colossians 3.8, uh, this, this chapter that really just shows how we are supposed to be after we have come to Christ, right? We're to put away a bunch of things and put on a bunch of things. In 3.8, he says, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. We're called not to slander others, which means basically to badmouth them, right? We're not called them ugly. We're not to do oh, all these things that just destroy people. We're not called to talk obscenely. We're not called to talk crudely. I think all of these things become very cultural to us. Um, like, I, I was a guy, you know, like, I, I understand. I was in locker rooms. I was in college classrooms where people did things and said things that they shouldn't say, but everyone did it because that's what everyone was doing. James is trying to help us understand that just because people talk like this doesn't mean that we have to because we're followers of Christ. We need to make sure that we're using our tongue for good and not for evil. We see in 1 Thessalonians 5.11 that we're called, it says, therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Ephesians 4.29 says a similar thing. It says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Ephesians 4.29 I think is so challenging to us. He says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but instead what you should do is you should build others up with your words. You should be an encourager. You should be someone who points people to Christ instead of away from them because you as a follower of Christ have a propensity and have a mandate to share the gospel. And we do that with our mouth and we encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ with our mouth and we have to be people that are encouragers and not discouragers. We're called to be people that are building people up and not tearing them down. Yet so often in the church, we can be worse at tearing people down than building them up. We can find the wrongs in others so easily without ever looking at the wrongs in ourselves. And that is what James is trying to help us understand, that our tongues have power and we need to use it wisely. And the greatest power that our tongues have is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We see this in Romans 10, how he asks these questions. He says, how is someone to come to know Christ if no one tells them? 
how is someone going to come to know Christ if no one preaches to them? And guys, I don't think you understand that you have the greatest power to, to help people recognize Jesus by telling them who he is. By sharing the gospel with them. Because there is no ba- greater, better power than that. It's life-changing. And that's what we're about. We're about transforming lives through the gospel because we know the power that it can have in our lives. So we need to use our tongue for good. And the question is, how are you using yours? How are you using the words you say on a daily basis? Are they crude? Are they not encouraging? I guess the word would be discouraging there, but like, are they bad? Are they sexual in nature, right? Are these things that we know that we shouldn't be saying, but we're saying them anyways because the people around us are? Are we looking more to the world for our sense of what we should say and what we shouldn't than we are looking to Jesus Christ and his word? So are you using your your words to encourage others and point them to Christ, or are you using them to tear them down and point them away? So the third thing we see in this passage as we read is that, this one's important, it's very important. We need to recognize that our words reveal our heart. Our words reveal our heart. In verses 9 through 12, I'm going to read it again, I know it's been a while. Uh, He says, with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. James, he brings up this situation that I'm sure has occurred, um, because I know it still does. Um, He says, how can someone bless the Lord of the universe and then turn around and curse the people that the Lord of the universe made? In the same breath. Man, I think we've all been there, right? Like we've gone to a worship service, we've raised our hand, we've praised the name of God, and when we turned around and we cursed the person, maybe not literally curse them, but we might say bad things about them as they cut us off when we're leaving the church. Yeah, that one hurt. <laughs> right? Like so often this happens, and James is recognizing it 2,000 years ago, and we know it still happens today. But he challenges us, and he says, no, the two things should not coexist Blessing and cursing do not go together. And that's why he gives these illustrations of a, a, a freshwater spring does not produce salt water. A fig tree does not produce grapes because you know what produces grapes? A grapevine. The two things do not go together. And even though these are complete opposites, he's trying to help us understand that our words cannot be both good and bad right next to each other. Our words are one or the other, and we have to recognize that those words reveal who we are. It reveals our heart of the matter. So I heard a story as I was kind of reading through and uh, studying for this, uh, this sermon, and just, it was very challenging. It was a weird one, but like, just stick with me. Uh, so there's this neighbor, right? Uh, and he had a neighbor because that's how that works. Um, and this, this, this other guy had a tree in his backyard. Uh, it was an apple tree. And this apple tree produced rotten fruit. Uh, like, literally any time the, the tree produced an apple, it was rotten. It was decomposing. It was useless, right? Uh, so the neighbor asked him, he said, man, what are you going to do about your tree? He said, I got a plan. Don't worry. So a little later that day, 
uh, the, the neighbor comes back, and he has a bag of apples, uh, like from the grocery store. Uh, and he, he goes up to the tree, and he starts stapling these apples on the tree. Like he removed all the rotten ones and started stapling these new apples on the tree. And, and he looks at his friend, and he said, I fixed it. Like, like from the street, this tree looked good now, right? It had a lot of good fruit on it. But was the tree still sick? Absolutely. If you know anything about plants, like it's still sick. It, you don't just put something on it and be like, looks better now. Like that's not how it works. And I think so often that's what we do with our lives. We see, I understand there's a problem internally, but I'm just going to put something over the top of it. I'm going to, I really do understand that, like, I have a heart issue here, but, like, I'm going to blame this situation on someone else. I'm going to make it look good from the street because we're really good at making people think we look good. We're really good at saying the right things and covering up the sin that is lying within our hearts. And James is trying so hard to help us understand that you can't just do that because that means you're still not healthy. Because our words come from our heart. It's not just a tongue issue. It's a heart issue. And we have to recognize and we have to understand that in order for our words to reflect and honor God, that our hearts must do so first. Our hearts must spend time with Christ alone in order to look like Christ. We must abide in him and spend time with him and such that we look more like him than we do the world. Yet so often our speech looks way more like the unholy world that we live in than it does the holy God that we claim to have a relationship with. And James is trying to help us understand that we cannot separate our actions from our speech. We cannot separate our works from our faith. And as we just come to a conclusion here in a minute, we really need to understand that if we do not have Jesus within us, then our looks don't matter because we're still sick. If Jesus is not in our heart, if we do not have a relationship with him, then no matter what we look like or where we go, we are still going to be sick. Because at the end of the day, it's a heart issue and not just a tongue issue. We see in Jesus' writing, this really does reflect uh, Jesus a lot here. In Matthew 12, 34, um, Jesus is addressing uh, these Pharisees uh, that are saying a lot of good things, but they're probably not good people. Um, He says, (laughs) I don't know how to say it kindly, uh, you brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Guys, we don't say things on accident. We say things because they were within us first. I think a lot of times, like, you might stub your toe and say something you don't want to say, and you're like, man, that was just because I stubbed my toe. No, that was there because it was within you, just waiting to come out. And what he's saying right here is that we must cleanse the inside before the outside actually looks good. We can make us look good. We can say all the right things. But, guys, at the end of the day, if our heart isn't in the right place with Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter what we look like. We're still sick. And we know that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's the abundance of your heart? Is your abundance of your heart truly the grace and mercy that you have experienced with Jesus Christ? Is the abundance of your heart the the amazing story of the gospel because of how it saved you? Or is it something of the world? Because I think way too often we can end up more in the world than we are in Christ. 
And if we've experienced the goodness and the gracious of God, we should speak about it because it should be abundantly clear in our hearts. We must truly make sure that our hearts and our words line up together. Because even though we can make people think we look better than we are, there's no fooling God. And there's really no fooling ourselves either. Because our faith is made evident in our works, and that means our faith is also made evident in our speech. And that's why we need to have a faith that talks. So do your words align where you claim your heart is? Does your speech align with what you say your heart is? Do your words and conversations reflect a relationship with a holy God or an unholy world? I'm going to say that again. Do your words and conversations reflect a relationship with a holy God or an unholy world, guys? Because we can get so caught up in saying, I'm a cultural Christian and all my cultural Christian friends talk like this. But that's not what we're called to be. We're called to be followers of Christ. And he is holy and he is separate from this world. And we need to reflect that in both our speech and our actions. We cannot get around that. We cannot say, yeah, I, I do everything else they do. Guys, that's not how it works. We are called to do everything that Christ does. And sometimes Christ doesn't look like the Christians were around. So we need to have a relationship with him first. And once we do, that relationship should bear fruit. And it should be healthy fruit that looks like him. So in order to control the tongue, guys, as we wrap up, we must realize that our words reflect who we are. We must recognize the great power of the tongue, that it has a power to both destroy and to heal and to transform lives. And lastly, we must recognize that our tongues align with our hearts, that our tongues and our words reveal where our heart is. So we're going to move into our time of reflection. Uh, The band's going to come up here. Reagan's, I think. Uh, and we just have three questions like we do every week. Um, and these three questions, just, just again, if you haven't been here, they, they reflect on the message. Uh, they, they call us to actually respond to what the Word of God is calling us to do. And they call us to not just leave this message here. Because I don't care who you are in this room, you have work to do in this area of your life. You can be more encouraging. You can share the gospel more. You can build others up better. So I have three questions. They're going to be up on the screen. It says, what do your words reveal about who you are? Secondly, are you using your words to encourage others and point them to Christ or to tear them down? And lastly, do your words and conversations reflect your relationship with Christ or the world? I'm going to pray for us um, here in a minute. And once I end, I just want you all to have a couple of minutes to just pray over these questions and to truly seek God and see where you can grow in your relationship with him. And maybe you're out there and you say, I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I just want to tell you it's the best thing you can do, and we would love to make that happen today. Uh, I'll be in the back of the room during this reflection time, and you can come talk to me or catch me afterwards. Uh, so let's pray. Uh, dear Lord, thank you so much for this day. Uh, thank you so much for the opportunity to share your good news to the world. Uh, Lord, we are so undeserving of you. We are so undeserving of your love because we recognize our sinfulness. We recognize that we are nowhere close to where we need to be. And Lord, we just pray that you would just continue to transform us. That you would continue to make us look and talk and act more like you. 
continue in the study of James, Lord, we just ask that you would just take hold of our lives and make sure that our lives truly do look like you. Lord, that we truly have a faith that works. Lord, we love you. It's your Sunday we pray. Amen.